and welcome to Horny Raging from the Ashes. <laughs> this is Danny Nakian. And I am the homie Romy. What is happening, you sweet babies? Like the samurai Romy. It's more like it. <laughs> uh man, it's been uh the last two nights here um in the Northern California. Uh, has dropped to the 30s at night, which is crazy. And because like last week it was 106, and it just dropped down 40 degrees in temperature, like in a week's time. Love it, love it, man. So I've been I've been uh, wearing sweaters, so I've been feeling pretty good. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, how's the weather over there for you? Sweet weather. <laughs> it's been nice. It's been like 70s. Gross. Fuck the weather. It's all controlled. True that. That's what I am saying. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of Charlie Robinson, Papa Charlie, the Cthulhu Detangler. In part two, we talk about the dream state, simulation, did Germany really lose the war, is 2030 the endgame? Nazi UFOs at Area 51, suppression of information, ancient banking connections, cryptocurrency, feudalism versus security state, the invisible enemy, the two Bidens, and the election recount. So that's the shit in part two. Damn. Yeah, man. Did you guys enjoy the first one? We know you did. We got a lot of listeners, and we are stoked. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. So we hope you enjoy part two. And as always, we're looking to do new things with the show all the time. Keep it fresh. Keep it going. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. You know, like Afro Man would say. <laughs> and uh, so pretty soon, we're going to get those donations in effect we're gonna get something we don't know patreon i think as we found i found a different one uh that we can do also uh i don't know what the fuck but it's coming so save your money up so you can donate to the podcast save all your uh, uh your pocket change to the side in a jar with a we'll send you a sticker you could put our sticker on the jar <laughs> send us uh, boxes of uh, your pocket pocket chains. Let's do it. Yeah, mo- you know, mostly I don't I don't want to do like a paid second hour like some other podcasts do, which is cool. I that's fine, but I feel like I want people to listen to everything that we're doing all the time. And by doing a paid second hour, you don't get to hear some of it. And I feel like people would get left out if they're not, you know, part of the membership. We do plan on doing a membership, but we plan on doing that membership by donation and having scales of that donation. So once you put in so much money, you get uplifted into higher scales. You get more offerings from the fire gods and uh, life keeps going and you learn more and more. And that's why we break down some of these episodes into two parts Uh, just so we can keep our episodes about an hour and a half. 
And then uh, when we have somebody that comes on that wants to do two hours with us, because as you've seen, some people only do one, then, you know, we can put that out for you later as a second episode, uh, part two. Uh, that way you get the full, you get the full effect, you know? And what else are we going to do, Romy? We're going to do some pew, 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 pew. RFTA. News. Yeah. <laughs> what you got for us today, homie? I am so glad you asked, brother. Check it out. So, uh, so we were talking about um, oral health with Jasmine, and then we talked about it also uh, about toothpaste. And uh, we're going to go into a um, a little bit more of a plant medicine mixed with oral health and a little bit of a Mesoamerican cultural history uh, with ah. the yeah yeah yeah. So with the history of gum. Gum, gum. <laughs> yeah, gum. With a G with a with G. A G. <laughs> the original gum comes from chicle, yeah. my friends. Chicle is the sap of the sapodilla tree, of the sapote tree, and they used it as a plaster or a mold to to cover things uh, and keep them safe, and. They would use it to fill cavities in the mouth. Uh, chicle is an often a, it's a it's a white colored resin, and so they cut it in this like crisscross way, and they have very specific design that they do. It makes it look really cool uh, if you look up pictures of it. Did they make chicles? Chicklets? So chicklets, I'd see. So I had I was like, where do I go with this? Do I go to the history to gum as we know it now and? modern times or do i just talk about this tree um so i i do i i have the it basically i wanted to get further into the the uh the digging of the exploitation of chicle because there was a time that when it was not Wrigley. Wrigley came later. Wrigley was a traveling salesman that came into the gum game, right? When gum was used to be used with chicle and it used to be used with uh, tree sap and organic natural things, which was still really cheap and easy. And he started marketing, you know, Wrigley's gum and all that. But I, I know for a fact, I feel it, I feel it, that the the white man came down and, and started to exploit. The pink man. It, yeah, the, the the pink the pink bubble man came down <laughs> and said, mm, "What is this bubble gum? Ch- Chicle has been used for a very very long time, and actually not not just uh, uh, people of uh, the Americas too, because in Greek, uh, where the word mastication comes from, or uh, to chew, they would chew uh, what they call mastic, which is another type of tree resin, and." Cultures used um, all over, like all over the world, they we've been using tree sap, rendering it down. And the common qualities, even with rubber, because rubber comes from a tree, right? They have a latex um, and these polymer chemicals in it. You know, polymer chemicals are a bonding agent. And so all over the world, you find like cultures use tree sap for awesome things. 
But specifically, I like the Mayan and the uh, Mesoamerican culture because I just, I just love the, the Americas. I think it's, their art is really cool. You know, they're super psychedelic and they have so much uh, esoteric, you know, hidden history there that we're still constantly digging up. So um, there's a lot of art. Um, you can find ancient Mayan art, like botanical art with a sapodilla tree and, you know, the crosses that they would cut into it. So you know that even high up at the level like of chiefs and everything, they were definitely chewing gum. Uh, they gave it to the warriors too, because they would chew it and it would actually help them like, you know, salivate. So they wouldn't have to drink as much water or find as much water while out on the road. And through that extra salivation, they wouldn't have to, you know, bring a bunch of water with them. If they brought the chewing gum, then they wouldn't need to stop for water. Also food, it helps suppress their appetite as well. You can survive longer uh, doing that too. So uh, they thought it freshened their breath. And chicle is, is the original gum. The unfortunate part about it, friend, is that at some point along the way, like I said, the exploitation of this really beautiful, long-lasting cultural tradition of, of chewing this tree sap is now, what do you think we use in, in gum now? What do you think is in the modern gum that you find at the store? Because it's not chicle. Sugar. Sugar's in uh, there. But what do you think the base is? If we were uh, using a latexy substance before. It's, it's like gum number seven or something like that. So you have <laughs> calcium carbonate, magnesium silicate, you have elastomers, which are long polymer molecules. It's basically different types of synthetic elastomers and polyvinyl acetate, which is like they're all just – it's a bunch of crazy shit that's basically boils down to it being plastic. So mm, – Yummy. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that great? Um, did did you ever get told, told when you were a kid that if you chewed your gum, you'd uh... – like a, a bubble gum plant would grow inside of you? <laughs> no, but they told me that about watermelon. I was, was like, oh, hell yeah, oh, give yeah, them seeds. seeds. I, I told my son seeds. one time, I told my son one time if he chews bubble gum and swallows it, that he's going to grow a bubble gum plant inside of him. He's like, what? <laughs> no way. I was like, yeah, that's where bubble gum comes from, is from children's stomachs when they swallow it. And he started crying. Oh I felt my really God, bad. That's hilarious. I felt like a bad father. But I, I told him <laughs> I was joking and that nothing would happen to him. But it does take like 10 to some 20 years for it to digest. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, oh, sorry. I, I read that. Um, it, I, I don't know exactly on that. You know, I think the studies on that are probably, you know, yeah, I don't know if any long-term studies that I found are on that, but yeah, it's basically it's a type of plastic and it's, you know, uh synthetically made uh non-digestible products. It it it's really fucking hard. And so if you eat a bunch of it, okay, I have a story, I'll tell it. Okay. When I was a kid, <laughs> my mom would get the extra gum, you know, extra brand, right? Mm -hmm. Bubble gum, and she would get the cases of it. And so I I always rebelled. So you know, I swallowed the gum. I swallowed it. I swallowed probably a pack and a half. I just ate it, kept swallowing, <laughs> ate it, ate it, ate it. And uh, I don't know, maybe a, maybe a week later or something, I was just like, well, 
What is that? It was a gumball. Uh, I tried. Yeah, it was a gumball. Uh, and I tried to go. Uh, I tried to go take a poop, and I couldn't. And granted, dude, I'm like I'm like eight years old at this time, right? I'm eight years old. I had a pack and a half of gum in my intestines, and I like couldn't poop. And so I was like, I went one day, I went two days, and I was fine. I was fine. I tried to tell the teacher I have to go to the bathroom. She's like, You've tried to go to the bathroom three times already during class. I really have to go. Like, please. So. It got so bad that after day three, going on to day four, I told mom, I was like, I can't go to school. Like, I haven't pooped in four days. I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel like I'm going to die. And so I stayed home. And on day four, day four was a day. It was, it was a, I still remember it. You know, I was eight years old. I was on the toilet and I was praying. I was, I was you know, you do that when you're a kid, right? I was praying. I was like, please, God, just please let me poop. I really just want, please, like anything. It hurts. It hurts. Please. And I'm just sitting there and I'm pushing, I'm pressing. And it's just, and it just, and it came out and it was a huge gumball. So that's what happens is it slowly bubbles out your butt. Dude, it was it was a tragic time. It was an absolutely tragic time. Um, but yeah, so uh, I didn't eat gum for a while after that. I was pretty traumatized. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, so basically what we're getting at is that it's absolutely terrible and it doesn't break down, not only environmentally, like, you know, it was a problem in Singapore. They actually banned gum in Singapore mm. in the, in the mid nineties. It wasn't until recently that they, you know, like li- hmm. like lessened it a little bit. They they were there was so much gum everywhere that Singapore was just like can't stop it. Stop with the gum. It doesn't break down. Yeah. Uh, and for another thing, I was gonna say like I would have thought the Mayans probably would have chewed tobacco or something. Tobacco definitely is uh is an American thing too. I'll, I'll do I'll do tobacco. Uh, it's I mean. It's a wild, it's a wild plant. I think tobacco, if I'm not mistaken, is native to uh, to to Asia, though. But I'm, I'm not it? sure on that. But yeah, definitely. I'm I not sure. I to America, the Americas. I'm pretty sure it is actually. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, but real quick on the cheek, I just said, I just want to let you guys say no before I'm done completely on it. You can find it. And if you do like chewing gum, stop chewing the fucking gum and get Glee gum, I think is a brand that uses Chicle. And there's like a couple other, but like, I, I really enjoy chewing gum. So like, it's, it's good, you know? And uh, yeah, just, just be careful out there with your mouth, y'all. It's straight connected to your heart. Oral health is heart health. Um, and uh, it's close to your brain and you kiss people with it and you talk to people with it. So why not be the healthiest in your mouth out of almost everywhere in your body? All right. There you go. Gum, 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 gum. Gum, gum, gum. All right. I am going to talk a little bit about banking because we bring it up with Charlie and we didn't really get into it too much. It was kind of more of a passing thing. And I really wanted to see if you knew anything about ancient banking. So I'm going to read a little bit from the Wikipedia, the, oh, 
what word of God? Mom. <laughs> the word of God. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is. <laughs> so, red letter. No, I'm just joking. Uh, the history of banking began with the first prototype banks, which were the merchants of the world, who gave grain loans to farmers and traders who carried goods between cities. This was around 2000 BC in Assyria, India, and Sumeria. Later, in ancient Greece and during the Roman empires, lenders based in temples gave loans while accepting deposits and performing the change of money. Archaeology from this period in ancient China and India also shows evidence of money lending. So, and this is also something that Jesus got in trouble for is they were lending the money in the temples and he, he tipped over the banker's fucking trays and then uh, they didn't like that very much. Uh, many histories position the crucial historical development of a banking system to medieval and renaissance Italy, and particularly the affluent cities of Florence, Venice, and Genoa. The Bardi uh-huh. and Peruzzi families dominated banking in the 14th century Florence, establishing branches in many other parts of Europe. The most famous Italian bank was the Medici Bank, established by Giovanni Medici, in 1397, the oldest bank still in existence is Banca Monte de Pasci di Siena, headquartered in Siena, Italy, which has been operating continuously since 1472 until the Does end it have a picture? Tw- Sorry, does it have a picture of that, that bank? I bet it's epic. Uh, I, I will check that out. I don't. Uh, I might be able to click on one of these things in there and check it. Uh, let me go back. Until the end of 2019, the oldest bank still in operation was Banco di Napoli, headquartered in Naples, Italy, which had been operating since 1463. Development of baking spread from northern Italy throughout the Holy Roman Empire and in the 15th and 16th century to northern Europe. This was followed by a number of important innovations that took place in Amsterdam during the Dutch Republic in the 17th century and in London since the 18th century. During the 20th century, developments in telecommunications and computing caused major changes to bank operations and let banks dramatically increase in size and geographic spread. The financial crisis of 2007 and 2008 caused many bank failures, including some of the world's largest banks, and provoked much debate about bank regulation. I'm going to read a little bit more. Uh, More stable economic relations were brought about with a change in socioeconomic conditions from a reliance on hunting and gathering of foods to agricultural practice. During periods beginning sometime after 12,000 BC at approximately 10,000 years ago in the Fertile Crescent in northern China about 9,500 years ago, about 5,500 years ago in Mexico, and approximately 4,500 years ago in the eastern parts of the United States. So banking's been around for a very long time, and they it wasn't just with money. They would lend out grains and other goods uh, to farmers and then expect repayment. So 
that was oh. the early type of banking in the cultural trade, like in the Silk Road uh, that expanded throughout Europe and Asia. And even, I mean, if you want to get into it, we can get into like America and Africa and the trade systems of Atlantis. Oh, what's up, dog? No, it was good, man. I mean, I was going to say something a little bit ago. I, I think I remember there being biblical uh, people talking about banking in the Bible, right? Like some there was some form of yeah, that's of, what uh, Jesus banking reference. Jesus flipped over the change trays in the temples because people were banking in the temples, and it, it was considered uh, unholy uh, to be doing that type of thing in temples because temples were for worship, not for exchanging money. Ah, so there was banking in the times of, of Jesus in the stories of Jesus, which is interesting because, you know, now they, I, you could probably tie the two together, banking and religion and, you know, like kind of hoarding the, the dollar and things like that. Let, interesting. Let me get a little, a little even deeper the history of banking is intertwined with the history of money. Ancient types of money, known as grain money and food cattle money, were used from a time of around at least 9,000 BC as two of the earliest things that could be used for the purpose of barter. Anatolian obsidian, as a raw material for Stone Age tools, was being distributed from as early as about 12,500 BCE, the occurrence of an organized trade was current during the 9th millennium. Within Sardinia, which was the location of one of the four main sites for sourcing the material deposits of obsidian within the Mediterranean, trade using obsidian was replaced during the 3rd millennia by trade of copper and silver. So they were, Yo. So they, were buying bub, they were buying bubble gum with uh, ancient monies. They're buying that chicle nine thousand yeah, years they're, ago. <laughs> they're trading like stone tools with each other. They're bartering like here's some stone tools. Here, hold on to my stone tools. I gotta go buy some chicles, and then I gotta. I'll come back for it in two days. I promise. You know? <laughs> I promise. Ancient pawn shops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for I mean, that's that's a conceptually how I always thought it started was, I mean, I think we all know that it started with with trade, right? And then goes into the yeah. someone really smart, whoever the genius behind making the money, whatever type of royal families. I mean, it was probably. I would like to yeah. Let's get into that, dude. Let's get into that. Let's get into the the original families that said we're gonna stop. You know that started to make the uh, the the agriculture money or the cattle money, like you were saying, trying to find the, yeah. the families that were ru ruling in those areas the at that ancient time ones. or whatever. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's see, they're 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 they had to fuck figured out. They set us all up. They those motherfuckers set us up this far down the line to where we're all fucked. Now we're all running off of money. <laughs> like we're all just like, can we please go back to trade? And they basically altered the future of 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 mean of everything we know almost to a T now. That's wild, man. I that is fucking wild. You got any more? Uh, yeah, I do. You want some more? All right, hey, let's do some more. I keep going, man. Uh, early let's keep going. Earliest <laughs> some more uh earliest forms of banking. Let's go. Asia. Mesopotamia and Persia. 
Banking as an archaic activity or quasi-banking is thought to have began at various times during a period as early as the latter part of the 4th millennium BCE to within the 4th to 3rd millennia BCE. Prior to the reign of Sargon I of Akkad, 2335-2280 to BC, the occurrence of trade was limited to the internal boundaries of each city-state of Babylon and the temple located at the center of economic activity therein. Trade at the time for citizens external to the city was forbidden. In Babylonia of 2000 BC, people depositing gold were required to pay amounts as much as one-sixtieth of the total deposited. Both the palaces and temples are known to have provided lending and issuing from the wealth they held, the palaces to a lesser extent. Such loans typically involved issuing seed grain with repayment from the harvest. These basic social agreements were documented in clay tablets with an agreement on interest accrual. The habit of depositing and storing of wealth in temples continued at least until 209 B.C., as evidenced by Antioch having ransacked or pillaged the temple of Ain in Ectabatana, Medea, of gold and silver. Cuneiform records of the house of Egebi of Babylonia described the family's financial activities dated as having occurred sometime after 1000 BC and ending sometime during the reign of Darius I. So, according to one source, a lending house a family engaging in professional banking and economic activities similar to a degree to modern deposit banking, although in another states the family's activities better described as entrepreneurship rather than banking, the provision of credit is apparently also something the Murashu family participated in. Uh, I, can, I can go more. Go more, dude. Come on, bro. Keep going. Asia Minor, from Keep the fourth going. millennia, previously agricultural settlements began administrative activities. The Temple of Artemis at Ephesus was the largest depository of Asia. A pot hoard dated to 600 BC was found in excavations by the British Museum during the year 1904. During that time, at the cessation of the first Mithridatic War, the entire debt record and the time being held, was annulled by the council. Mark Anthony is recorded to have stolen from the deposits on occasion. The temple served as a depository for Aristotle, Caesar, Dio, Chrysostomus, Chrysostomus, whatever, Pladius, Plutarch, Strabo, and Xenophon. The temple to Apollo in Didyma was constructed sometime in the 6th century. A large sum of gold was deposited within the treasury at the time of King Croesus. Uh, it goes then to India. In ancient India, there are evidences of loans from the Vedic period beginning 1750 BC. Later, during the Maurya dynasty, uh, an instrument called Adesha was in use, which was an order on a banker desiring him to pay the money of the note to a third person, which corresponds to the definition of a bill of exchange as we understood it today. 
During the Buddhist period, there was considerable use of these instruments. Merchants in large town gave letters of credit to one another. In China, starting in the Qin Dynasty, Chinese currency developed with the introduction of standardized coins that allowed easier trade across China and led to the development of letters of credit. These letters were issued by merchants who acted in ways that today we would understand as banks. Ancient Egypt. Some scholars suggest that Egyptian grain banking system became so well developed that it was comparable to major, major modern banks, both in terms of its number of branches and employees and in terms of the total volume of transactions. During the rule of Greek Ptolemies, the granaries were transformed into a network of banks centered in Alexandria, where the main accounts from all of the Egyptian regional grain banks were recorded. This became the site of one of the earliest known government central banks and may have reached its peak with the assistance of Greek bankers. According to Murr, Muir, M-U-I-R, there were two types of banks operating within Egypt, royal and private. Documents made to show the banking of taxes were known as pep token records. Uh, it goes on to talk about Greece and some other stuff. Mostly, I just wanted to establish the fact that banking goes back a very long time, and it coincides with trade. So that means there was trading going on a long time ago, and they developed a system of banking in order to kind of receive goods before they could actually pay for goods, or they would, you know, take give some of their grain away to get something else and then come back and get their grain and, and give something else back in return or give money, hold money, hold my money for me that I just pirated off somebody else. And, you know, it's, it's seemed more of a pawn choppy type of thing. Well, the issue is, is that it's like, we still do that. We still make the goods. We, you know, we trade on a small level, but, you know, because of the rule, the, the way that the rule works and the rules of society, there needs to be a money medium, you know, and that, that money medium needs to be controlled in order to pay for the, the roads. And the, that's what the stories are, you know? Yeah, it goes back, dude. It goes back to basically the dawning of, I mean, civilization. What an actual civilization would be. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it was. I wonder if it was brought from uh, the uh, the interdimensional beings that came from the future. We're like, you know what? Inevitably, <laughs> you guys were going to create this, and you only created it because we time traveled back to you. Which means it happened to us. Which means it's always been happening. Which means yes, we live in the multiverse. Fuck, you crazy man. So that was banking. A little brief intro into banking. Uh, I would really like to cover that in like more of a full episode if we could find somebody or if we have to do it ourselves, fucking do it ourselves. Uh, and actually just get I into guarantee banking. Guarantee there's somebody and, we could get. And the families and where it all started, like the whole history from from ancient to now and the effects that it's had on everything. And what is there a better way than banking? Do we really need it? Or is it something that's a necessity? Does it help? Does it uh, provide insurance to you in case somebody wants to swipe your money? 
uh, in this day and age, it kind of, but at the same time, the bank is the one that's swiping the money from you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Duh. It's a hundred percent corrupt. No, it's a hundred percent corrupt and I'm fucking pissed about it. <laughs> so, uh, let's, uh, I'm, let's get I'm into obviously part two. pissed about the banking situation. You want to, you want to intro up the part two of Charlie Robinson? Like, like you do, you know, like the Cthulhu detangler type shit, like the fucking lay oh, that intro down again. Oh, you want me to, okay. Okay. You want me to bring, you want me to hit him with that, that sauce? You guys, are you guys feeling al dente? Because I'm about to pull you out the pot. Fucking freestyle it. Freestyle it, Charlie dog. Robinson. You got that freestyle. Charlie Robinson, the boy, shit. and he's <laughs> he's coming and he's on the level. And you know he be detangling all the devils. And he gets Bill Gates and he gets Lil Fauci. We don't give a fuck. We ain't about you. We're going to get into some deep, deep shit with Charlie Robinson. And he's coming with it quick. It's the heat. It's the goodness. All up on your feet. When you're about to move with it, you get it. Never spit it like you do. I'm going to spit up on my shoe. Bubble gum from the ancient bacon dudes. Damn. Silver. Gold. Dollars. I'm going to do that. Damn. I'm going to make that tiger holler. <laughs> All right. I got lost track. Charlie Robinson yeah. is coming with the track. That was fresh, dog. That was so fresh. Here we go. The Cthulhu Detangler Part 2. Charlie Robinson. Ancient stories. talking about time and and uh missing time or you know 10 minutes being a thousand years or whatnot when when we dream uh i i you know fell asleep on the chair the other night and for only like 10 minutes but i had a whole full dream in that 10 minutes yeah. and i thought i was you know and then when i woke up i was like holy shit that was a long dream yeah. so so even in the dream state you know and you come back you you feel like you've been out forever and you've only been asleep for 10 or 15 minutes. So that 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 could coincide with that whole dream time also, Dude, you know, because it, it, for sure. And when yeah, people dream, Yeah, when people do the drugs and stuff, they they experience drug. the same stuff same type of thing that happens to them while they're dreaming happens to them while they're on the drugs and you know, yeah. they see, you know, entities and what I've never done DMT, I so I don't I, know. But I, th- I think it's like shaking the proverbial blanket of so the the outside societal pressures, because it's easy for me to step outside the box and see that the way the control works is to absolutely control time and distort and contort time and put it into linear. Right. So we're raised to yeah. think of boxes and and linear time and looking at a clock that's exactly how our society has 
been made exactly schooling and everything is set up like that so it's not necessarily that humans can't fathom the construct of time in a nonlinear fashion it's the fact that a nurture versus nature every time when yeah. we are nurtured that's the only time that we are fucking confined to that bullshit but nature yeah. actually so okay michael Wan. i wanted to say this earlier michael Wan, uh Susquehanna mm-hmm. river dude amazing you know the uh I was listening to him say his concept of what simulation is and was amazing. I want to kiss him uh, spiritually right now. Yeah, uh, yeah so he's great. He's so good. The, um, that you have nature as a simulation, right? Earth's atmosphere as a whole. And that's the natural uh, living uh, simulation, right? That's n- nature's the cosmic simulation reality. But what we live in is absolutely 100% controlled man-made simulation. And when people say we live in a simulation, that's not wrong because the fact that we live in a grid society of any way, shape or form is simulated mm-hmm. from the people and the powers that be to make it. And that shit is, that's what contorts the time and makes us so just, and the stress. All right. Yeah, man. I don't, I'm sorry for ranting boys. Yeah. I just fuck. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a really good point about the, you know, the, like the idea of, simulation theory like are are we in a simulation how would we how would we know you know I and mean, we we are to a certain extent in in some kind of simulation our life is we're simulating life now is it is it do is it like a video game do we get to you know is, is there some guy that that that's going to turn it off at some point because mom called him for dinner you know like gotta go <laughs> click and then we're all gone you know is it is it something like that is it a is it <laughs> You know, and and how, like, really, how would we know if the simulation got like you? I mean, we've all seen the Elon Musk on, on Rogan talking about simulation theory and things like that. And, and you know, and and I and I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I don't trust the guy yet. He's too connected. But but it, but it is an interesting thing to think about. And because uh, yeah, if you can control time, if you or you can if you can control the perception of time, then you can control humanity. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. mm-hmm. I wonder if, you know, and I've done DMT a couple of times at, at an Arcapulco for, they have it all set up with shaman and everything. And you do these, these crazy ceremonies and it is, um, you know, it's like what going, it was like, I was going back in time and watching a movie of myself. It was, it was really but so it was like third person, you know, I'm watching myself in, in interact. If you've ever seen that movie, defending your life, which is a, a great movie came out in like the early nineties with, uh, Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep. It's hysterical. It's where they nice. go, they die and they go to this purgatory place where they have to go through like a trial and they have to defend their life. And they're sitting in this courtroom with like a big picture screen up there and they play dirt, certain clips from their life, from their childhood, like when they were 10 and it's so real. And the guy's like, holy shit, that's me on the playground getting picked on by this kid. And I didn't punch him out, you know, and all this stuff. And that was what my DMT trip was like. It was like, I was watching everything like on a screen almost, but it was so real. And so, but it wasn't happening, at least in my physical sense, I was in Mexico and I was not in a time machine, but I was watching things that had happened 30 years earlier, like from a different perspective. And that to me just blew my mind. It was like watching a movie film. It's like watching a movie that you're really familiar with. You've seen a bunch, but now you watch it from a different camera that was set up. 
And so it's showing it from a different angle, a different yeah. perspective. Yeah. In that perspective, you can see you in it too. And that is like, like I had to like chill out after that. Like it was really confusing to come back into your body. <laughs> so, so speaking on that too, they say that UFOs are controlled with thoughts. Yeah. And that's how they're able to control them now. So what if maybe they just have to get really fucked up on DMT and they can just fly or time travel wherever the fuck they want to do in that vessel? Well, (laughs) well, you know what you what's funny about that is that, um, Ben Rich, who was the head of Lockheed Martin skunk works, he was given a presentation in 94, uh, at UCLA. And, and one of the guys in the crowd was a guy named Jan Harzen, who was an engineer at the time, but later wound up becoming the, the head of MUFON. And, um, and, and during this talk, um, Ben Rich says to the audience, you know, we have the technology to take ET home and it won't take us a lifetime to do it. Mm-hmm. And after that comment, um, you know, he, he was done with his speech and then he went out to the parking lot and Jan Harzen followed him out to the parking lot and said, I have a, I have a question. I have a follow-up question for you. Um, I'm interested in the propulsion mechanism that you're talking about. How does it work? And Ben Rich says to him, well, let me ask you a question. Do you know how ESP works? And he goes, yeah, like all points in time and space are connected. And Ben Rich goes, that's how it works. And walked off. So there is, so that's the guy from Lockheed Martin Skunk Works who's building the TR-3Bs or building the spaceships. And he's the one that said, that's how it works. Now, is it true? Can I verify that that's exactly, I, mean, I, I, you know, let's just yeah. say that, that, I mean, the quote is good. Is, is he being truthful? How would I know? I can't, I can't know that. But, but if he is being truthful and that is how it works, then yeah, ESP mind control that is that is part of the that's the missing element right yeah. that's the that's the instru- that's the instrument panel that pops up when you connect your mind to it you know so so if if they have that figured out we're fucked you I, know I, what I mean <laughs> like if the government has that and they know how to do all that like yeah we're in a bad spot unless right. they decide that they want to use it for good and not evil. But I, you know, mm. I don't hold my breath on, on, on that. So, so the idea of, of, of these, you know, ships or whatever being mind controlled is not a joke either. I mean, it might, it, they might very well be, that might be the way that they are controlled, that they are controlled through, uh, telepathy. I mean, it I, sounds crazy, but it's not any crazier than us having reverse engineered UFO technology. I mean, that's crazy enough. So it it, it ties into the MK Ultra too, because when the psychological yeah. experiments they were doing, I think that's you know the timeline. So okay, you know, a major a, a pool of threads that I've been trying to pull together in my just terribly scattered uh, brain. And talking with people like you can hopefully help me try to get it all together. But, um, and I know Sam Tripoli kind of says, I, I go, I vibe with what he says a lot that, that Germany lost the war, but the Nazis did not. Right. Um, right. So is that, that timeline, that time period, obviously America is manipulated by England, right. And the British banking kind of runs 
mostly all of that, but was there do you, there there must have been a time during that war conglomerate filled fueled stress area that the net that was being thrown and casted was a big major plan for the world leaders at that time from you know uh from England, America, Germany, Japan, China, all of that to be able to collude together to come up with some sort of uh you know major plan that is what we're seeing play out from um the from the ending of the wars they're like all right we're going to end the wars and when right. that happens the plan fucking starts you guys ready and they have just how they have agenda 2030 written in 2010 about um lockstep and everything those future simulations like we were talking about earlier which you get into depth on your show thank you very much i've sent all those episodes to many fucking people um thank you but, thank you. <laughs> of, of course of course so um that i think that it's not impossible if there's this many, all of the people that are rich in all of the world, all over, slowly implementing the predictive programming in their countries as well as America, and to basically come to the focal point that I I see hap- that we all see happening very fucking soon, and yeah. the the future simulation programs like uh, Agenda Twenty Thirty. I do you think that timeline is going to be like the pinnacle? of when this shit show actually fucking goes down? Well, maybe I'll start with the first, the first question. So world war (laughs) one started and created the league of nations. That was part of the design. World war two started and that created the United nations, which was Mm. what they wanted the league of nations to be all along, but they got the United nations out of it. And after world war two, you have obviously Europe was destroyed Russia was destroyed, Asia was destroyed, and North Africa was pulverized as well. I mean, the only place that wasn't really hit very hard were North and South America, and well, in Australia too. But 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 America got into the war with like a year left. They were just on mop up duty, and they only got into the war it, it, under some pretty extraordinary conditions. They told the British, "Well, we'll come help you, but you got to give us all your blueprints for all your technology." So we didn't come in like as in this altruistic fashion, like, oh, we're going to come in and end the war and get rid of the Nazis and everything. We were brought in. I mean, we, we, we wanted something to get in and we got in and we cleaned it up and we were there when it all ended. And we took all those people, not all of them. I mean, the Soviets got some of them, but, but we took a lot of those, those scientists, those Nazi scientists through Operation Paperclip. And yes. so when Sam says, you know, Germany lost the war, but the Nazis didn't, that's obviously, that's what he's talking about. A lot of these guys were relocated. Hell, the, the head of NATO was was a, a SS guy. You know what I mean? So yeah. the, 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 the Third Reich has turned into the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Absolutely. And these people running the World Economic Forum are by all indications the Fourth Reich. They're they're this new thing. So they're the ones driving this this narrative. They're the ones trying to push the COVID stuff. They're the ones pushing build back better and the agenda, you know, in conjunction with the United Nations. They're separate. World Economic Forum and the United Nations are separate. But if you think of it like a Venn diagram, there's a lot of overlap yes. between yes. their members. So um, they're they're separate, but they work together. So this is a, this is part of a massive agenda. And Agenda 2030 is is it's not the ending, but it's definitely a benchmark for them. 
and where they want to have things sort of automated and locked down into smart cities and cashless societies and UBI and all, all the stuff that the World Economic Forum is pushing. That's part of Agenda 2030. You know, micro apartments, you'll be eating bugs, you'll own nothing and like it, you know, all that shit. That is, uh, first of all, that that mentality, straight up Nazism, you know, insane, uh, absolutely. we're going to take over the world type of stuff. Yes. So the philosophies match up, that we're better than the rest of the world philosophy matches up, that we're, we're going to run the world and we'll tell you how to do it, you know, it, there's so many parallels that 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 it it's it's easy to make the case that that World Economic Forum is is more of a continuation of this this Nazi mentality, um, and then the literal taking of not just the mentality but the taking of the actual Nazi people and taking yeah. them over and having them come to the United States and start NASA. MK, you know, I mean, so mm-hmm. like. Forgive me if I'm not super enthusiastic and cheerleading for NASA. I don't trust them. They were literally started by Nazis uh, and, and Satanists and Scientologists. Nazi and Satanist <laughs> Association, NASA. Nazi and Association. Just saying. <laughs> you know, so, so the worst people in the world creating NASA, right? Okay, so we've got that. Literally run by Nazis. Okay, that's established. We have them coming in and, and being heavily involved in the pharmaceutical industry as well. Great. That's not good. Love that. And um and of course, you know, they 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 flourished <laughs> in, 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 in America in the in the fifties. You know, they had great jobs. They gave these guys great jobs in the fifties and sixties. They were set up for life. I mean, so so America doesn't have any problem taking some reprehensible people and repurposing them, you know, for their own agenda. So, you know, that is that is something that I think people need to be aware of that that this this where we're going with this fourth industrial revolution, we need to be very careful because these people have a, have a plan for us and it ain't good. So speaking, speaking about Nazis and UFOs and all that crap Mm. and NASA, I have, I want I have one more question on this and we can get onto something else. And the war ended in 1945, right? Right. World war two, 1947, is when the Roswell crash happened. 1952, there was UFOs flying over the White House. Hmm. Do you think that maybe this was all Perfect Nazi technology or was it actually UFOs Perfect. or aliens or us? Or maybe we figured out that technology after the war and we started, but why would we fly over our own White House? So, my question is, do you think it was a ne- Nazi technology? Because we know they had the honey booze. Let's not let's not forget about Operation High Jump, too. Yeah. The, Admiral, yeah. Admiral Byrd uh, got buzzed by UFOs and they shot up their fleet and just destroyed the whole thing. Um, I, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I wonder, though. Like. It's- it, so I have a, I have a, a oh, this is, it's a long story. I won't, I won't tell the whole thing, but I have a, a, a guy that I knew who was a photographer who got invited to area 51 to photograph, um, an event there. Now we both, when he told me he was getting ready to go, we both went, 
why is why do they need you? Like, can't anybody photograph this? He goes, that's what I was thinking too. He goes, but it pays well and I'm going to go. And he was an older guy. He was like in his 60s. He goes, look, I'm curious to know mm. what's there. And they invited me to go. They're going to pay me well. And so we'll, we'll see. I was like, all right, we'll have fun. And then he came back. And um, a couple weeks after that, and I, I had to connect with him. And I said, I called him up and I was like, hey, man, um, I got to come by and swing by his, his photo studio and pick up some stuff. Um, and he's like, yeah, come on by this afternoon. I go, oh, hey, by the way, how'd that Area 51 thing go? And he goes, I can't talk about it. And he hung up on me. I was like, all right. So I went down and I met up with him. And his wife was like, his wife was at, at their photo studio. And she's like, he's all freaked out. I was like, what is this deal? And she's like, he's all fucked up. Since he came back from Area 51, he's all fucked up. And I was like, well, I'm curious. So I go in there and I was like, dude, tell me what is, he goes, we can't talk here. He was, he was convinced the place was bugged. He was totally paranoid. So we go outside, we go out outside of his, his warehouse place and we go around by the dumpsters and he tells me the story of how he went there and they had this thing that they rolled out onto this, out onto the tarmac and it was being remote controlled by a guy on like scissor lift, you know, like with these controls, like if you were changing a light bulb way at the top of like a inside a warehouse or something, you'd have the scissor lift. The guy's controlling it from this. And it's this thing that he said was like the size of a Volkswagen bug. And this guy, when they turned it on this, you know, it, it, these it gyroscopes around it started like spinning in different directions and everything. It started getting faster and faster. And they had like a little hand, like a hook that was holding it on. And they like detached that. And this thing was spinning. It was just floating. It was floating up, floating up, up, up. He said it wasn't making any noise. And he was taking pictures of it, you know, the whole time. Just This was 95 too. And he when he would get done with the, the pictures, he'd have to hand the camera to the, the guard that was with him at all times. And that guard would open it up, take the film out, put a new roll of film because it was pre-digital stuff, load up the film and then hand, hand him the camera. So he goes, at no time did I ever have access to any of the film, but I was taking pictures of the thing. He goes, this thing goes up and it just starts, you can tell it's spinning faster and faster, but it's making no noise. He said, and it, he goes, it just disappeared. And, and then the, the guy fuck? goes, and then the guy taps him and goes, look way over there. And they look way over there and he goes, Boop, and it appears. And he says to me, I'll never forget that. He goes, that was the point at which I thought they weren't going to let me walk out of there alive. And I was like, holy oh, shit, what did you see? Shit. What did you see? He goes, I don't know. They just called it the acorn. And that didn't ring a bell to me. Wait. Pun intended. Oh, until sorry. about 15 years <laughs> after that, I'm watching probably ancient aliens, something on, on yeah. UFO technology. And they talk about the Nazi bell, the Der Glocken. And the nickname they had for that was the acorn. And I think that's what he saw. I think he saw a a test run of the acorn. He was freaked out, legitimately like having a hard time communicating with me. He was so, he was like, I can't believe I saw what I saw. I can't believe it. You know, it was just a weird, so, so like, what is that? Is that yeah. is that alien technology or is that just advanced Nazi technology? I don't know. I don't or know, it, man. I, I mean, it could be both. Yeah, or is it both? Ancient, ancient Tartarian, uh, you know, ether energy, ether, I think. Right? So here's another thing, because what we do, what we're trying to do, we have an overall arc with the show, right? But we'll fucking do whatever. But we love right. the ancient, we love ancient history. And um, we're trying to figure out the creation stories and stuff. And, uh, and I believe that 
that ancient cultures, the reason it's getting wiped out of history is because they had um, access to specific ether energy or that type of, you know, uh, working with electromagnetics and, and consciousness. And it seems to, it seems to tie in with all of the things that we're trying to tap into now, which how the ancient human civilizations used to live and, and frequent constantly. Yeah. And maybe, yeah. And and it's, is that a government decision to keep, to suppress that information? Is that a Vatican decision to suppress it? Is it like, (laughs) is it, I don't buy this, but is it, is it possible that the technology is so dangerous that it destroyed these civilizations before and that we, we, it needs to be hidden away so that we don't do it to ourselves. I don't buy that, but I mean, is that, I mean, is that a possibility? Something along the lines of that. Yeah. I feel like, you know, if it was, I mean, like, like, I, I, I mean, I believe that there's probably technology that destroyed the civilizations, but I, I just don't, I don't think that the powers that be are going to keep it away from us for our own good. That's oh, what I God. mean is that, that, that they, they, they would want it so that they could use it against us, of course. But I, I, you know, that, that ancient technology, it, there seems to be, there seems to be a priority from a lot of governments or cultures to make sure that the population only knows a little bit about what's going on, but never the full story because maybe they would become irrelevant as governments, I think. But um, there's some reason that there's the control of information. And and one of the quotes that I put in my octopus book, and it is my favorite quote out of the 700 that are in there. It is my favorite. It is by Stephen Bassett, the executive uh, director of Paradigm Research Group, which is a UFO group. And he said, imagine if reality is a giant jigsaw puzzle of 10,000 pieces. And when you're born, you come into this world and you're handed this box. And in this box is reality. It is the honest truth of the way the world works. It is the way that everything works. And you get this box and you go about through your life and you, you, you want to put this, this thing together. And put all this, and if you do put this this puzzle together, it will be the picture of the way the world really works. So you set off about to do that, and everything is fine. But there's a problem: the government that you live under has taken a bunch of the pieces out of your puzzle and has thrown them away. Mm. But it gets worse. They've taken pieces from somebody else's puzzle and have thrown them in your box. And you don't know that bastards. And then you go about trying to put this puzzle together. And that is an almost impossible situation, and it is very effective to serve the state. That's that's how he summed it up. So, so do we even have the right pieces? Mm. We're getting you know, them from each other. Then, in that case, you have your box, I have mine, and I'm like, "Yo, yeah. I think you got one of my pieces, dog. Let me get that." Let's and trade. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. let's trade pieces. Yeah. Yeah. But, 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 but if you don't know, if you just assume that, why would you think that someone took it? You would just think you're getting all the pieces, you know, and you go about trying to figure this out and it doesn't make sense. Well, of course it doesn't make sense. It's never going to make sense. You don't have the right pieces. You don't have all the pieces. You have, you have pieces that send you down a wrong path. So, so that the, if the suppression of information is very real and it's, and it's been done on purpose and there is a purpose to it and it is to keep us from ever realizing who we really are, you know, and, and, and David Icke has a good book called remember who you are, you know, trying to to get people to get back into who you are as a human being, as a soul is, is all of this, you know, um, not just, 
John Smith who goes to work as an accountant and works nine to five and comes home, you know, like that's part of you, but like, who are you really? And, and so we have information that is hidden away from us. And, and I don't, you know, I'm pro I feel you probably, probably like, like me, I, I don't appreciate that. I don't appreciate these no, people. Not at all. Not at all. Sub, sub, you know, uh, uh, hiding information about who I am from me. It's not their right. They don't have the right to do that. They don't have, you know, they have no authority to do that, but yet it's being done. And so I take it personally. That's why that's part of the whole reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. I just, I just want to try and figure it out, man. I, you know, don't, don't you guys just want to figure it. I just, I just want to, I'm not expecting I'll have it all figured out, but I want to try and make sense of it all as much as I can. And that kind of keeps me going. Dude, you're, you're on such a good path, dude. Like since you just started the podcast a year ago, I, I mean, if you plan on keeping it going, you're going to fucking get to some points, dude, where like, you know, it's like therapy. Every time we get to get on here and talk, like we're clearing it out in our heads and like yeah. you're on this macroaggressions, Charlie Robinson's on this path, dude, you're going to have so people are going to come to you for so many answers, bro. Like it's, I I'm oh, so well, stoked that you're doing what I, you're doing. I'm I thank you so much. I'm, I'm totally appreciative of all of that. I don't have all the answers, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to see if we can figure <laughs> yeah. it out. I feel like it's a collaborative yeah. si- sort of endeavor where you get, you Absolutely. know, you get everyone thinking about it. Like, you know, if I'll, I'll do a show where I don't, I don't, I don't know if this is right, but what if it is? Let's talk about that. Let's think about that. Let's go down this path. And 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 look, we're going to be wrong, and that's fine. You know, that's part of yeah. this discovery. It's part of the <sighs> it's part of the fun. Is trying to to figure out how how it works. And if if you go down a path and you're wrong, well, that 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 happens. Let's. But maybe it'll lead you to some some other information that you that you didn't know. I, I'm I'm interested in having people on that know more about how this stuff works than me. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm just interested in, in, I'm interested in putting the puzzle together. You know, I mean, as Stephen Bassett said, and, and I know that I don't have all the pieces, but maybe, but by inviting people on or, you know, then they're giving me, maybe we're swapping pieces, you know, like we said, and, 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 and maybe together, like when it's, you know, like Christmas vacation and the families are there and they, somebody starts like a big, jigsaw puzzle on the table it was always just one person there working on it right but as soon yeah. as that one person gets a lot gets kind of it done then it starts to bring other people other people are like oh well, let me let me get on this let me start to put some people and then the more people you get the faster it gets solved so so maybe if we can just nice. all kind of come together start contributing we can get ourselves to a place of understanding faster and 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 i would i would certainly like to have that you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a timetable on any of this. I'm not trying to say we're going to figure it all out, but, but yeah. it would be nice if, uh, if we could do it during our lifetimes, right. To, to, to at least set up maybe the people that come after us, um, well, we've done some of the grunt work. We've, we figured out some of this stuff so that they don't have to rehash it. They can move on to more advanced things and get into like, you know, what's really going on in the universe and what's really going on in multiple dimensions and stuff like that. Like we sorted out that central banking sucks. You don't have to worry about that. In the future. <laughs> yeah, we know that yeah. we've established that. <laughs> well, let you that guys happen. Build off of something else. Get, get into the sciencey stuff, you know? So the reason why I started this podcast in the first place or, or wanted to get a podcast started was because Billy Carson was on there and he asked the question, who are these serpent people? 
basically who are these controllers, right? Who are the serpents? Right. But in ancient civilizations and ancient history, you have this serpent motif that kind of dominates the whole thing. Oh, yeah. And so what I tried to do was find out who the serpent people were of the old, of old, of the men of renown, the Nephilim, who all the, who were these people that built all these structures and seeded civilizations. And through that process, it, it pretty much leads up right into the Kings and Queens of England and the seafarers and where we get our currency from our banking system and everything like that. Do you know about where the origins of the banking system were at? Like how that got started? Was it through trade system or uh, I, I heard stuff about Ven- it starting in Venice. Uh, yeah. could, you, could you maybe elaborate yeah. more on, on that for us? Yeah. Well, so all that ancient stuff, it, you got, have you read Fingerprints of the Gods by Graham Hancock? I don't recall that. I've read, a, uh, I've listened to a couple on a uh, book on audio, but I, I don't think I've done fingerprints. His is really fascinating. I mean, I think he sold 10 million copies of that. It, it, it's, um, it talks about these, these, these men that these guy, this guy that just kept showing up in all these different places. And he was showing them how to do agriculture and things like this. And they, they all had different names for him. It was an, it was happening in South America. It was happening in Asia. It was happening all over the world. And, um, Quetzalcoatl, Tahuti. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and, and he, he dug into some of the architecture behind it and, and the, in, through these archeological finds up in like in the, in, you know, up in the Andes mountains, place like 7,000 feet. And there, it was like yeah. a port, a port city. Yeah. There. And he's like, what the fuck is going on here? So there's a lot of ancient mysteries, you know, there's a lot, there was a lot of shared knowledge back in the days and, and his speculation that, that he speculated on and, and had, it has been since proven that he's correct was that the earth was hit by two different comets, uh, two fragments of the same comet, I should say. Uh, one was, God, I'm going to get the dates wrong. 12,800 years ago. And the other one was 11,600 years ago, I think. So it was like a 1200 year gap in between them where one was hit and then the other one was hit. And that explains a lot of the, the, the flood and things like that. A lot, a lot of the biblical references come from these things. So there's a, there's a strain, there's a lot of, a lot that we don't know about our, our history. I'm fascinated by that, that stuff as well. It, you know, once you get into the, the banking, the origins of the banking, it's like, you know, I think Venice is, is sort of universally known as, as where the, the banking came from. But as far as like the banking families and how that all worked out, Feudalism. You know, somewhere along the way it got, it got corrupted. You know, banking is, is dirty. It's a dirty, dirty business. When you, when you factor in, you know, interest and, and things like that. And then of course the Bible talks about, about how Jesus, I don't know the Bible very well, but Jesus chased the money changers out and everything, you know? So there is a, there is a, there's a negative component to banking because it's, it, because which is one of the reasons why I describe it as the most dangerous tentacle, because it has this ability to, infect everybody 
if everybody uses the currency, mm-hmm. then it has this this weird effect on it. And so the banking industry has always been a target for people that want to control the public. You know, be that kings or 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 you know the Rothschilds or whoever. That if you control the money, you control the world. And these people know that. And so it's, it's one of those topics that I, I, you know, it's so it's hidden. (laughs) It's hidden because it's boring. It's banking. Nobody, nobody gets excited about banking. It's easy to be like dismissive of it because you're like, Oh, who cares? But it's so important in the way that it, it affects our lives. It, It affected people back in, you know, in the, in the olden days too. So it's, it's like an old trick. (laughs) <laughs> the yeah. the idea of 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 central banking is an old trick that just keeps getting repurposed over and over again and it and it has the same outcome it enslaves humanity and there's yeah. better ways to deal with banking and and maybe the you know maybe the bitcoin guys are right that um you know that you know having a form of uh secure capped uh number of of currency units is the way to go because when you give the magic printing press to governments or bankers they print they all they if if they if they can print they print they print money until it's worthless and they do it every single time they hyperinflate the currency and they just can't stop themselves from doing it i don't blame them if i had a magic printing press i'd probably print money all day long too but (laughs) but you know that is that is one of the ways that they um control us and it's really devious so speaking about the currency or the crypto yes what what are your thoughts on cryptocurrency because when i read cryptocurrency i see the dead sea Mm, interesting i well i wrote you know i wrote a book with jeff berwick who he he runs the crypto vigilante. And so he's my, he's my crypto guy. And and I get, you know, I defer to him on, on all of that stuff. I'm fascinated by it. I, I, I have, I have questions. I think, you know, obviously not all of them are created equal. I like the privacy coins. I like the idea of Bitcoin's limited supply. I, I don't like, you know, I do, there, there is a conflict going on here because on the one hand, you don't want to go to an all digital currency because you can't, you know, they can maybe stop you from conducting business. Mm-hmm. But then there's the privacy coins like Monero and and um, Pirate Chain and 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 these that that do things a little differently and they make it, you know, virtually impossible for people to know who's got it and where it is. But but the idea of cryptocurrencies, it it's like a gun. It just depends on whose hands it's in, right? If it's in charge, if the central banks, you know, if the U.S. dollar, if the U, you know, CBDCs, the central bank digital currencies that they're talking about, that's a form of cryptocurrency. It's garbage. They could set all kinds of parameters in it. They can set it so that the goddamn thing expires in 30 days and just dissolves, disappears. So it forces you to spend your money. You can't have savings. I think that that is part of the World Economic Forum's plan when they say you'll own nothing. Well, you'll own nothing because your money will disappear at, at a certain time, you know, a designated time. You earn, you earn your money, but you have to spend it, and you can only spend it at the company store, who will accept this central bank digital currency. You know, so there's, so you can take that crypto and use it to enslave humanity, yes. or you could take another version of a cryptocurrency, one that's decentralized like Bitcoin, 
that they can't stop and use that to save humanity. So, so where are we? You know, you could, you, you could do, you could do, you could do both. And, and, but I know this one thing I am absolutely certain of, if there is a way to compromise this technology, they're working on it. Oh, absolutely. for, for, For the government to take control and track it. And see, the problem that I have with it is that I'm, I don't know enough. I don't know the technical side of it. So if, when they say, you know, everything is on the blockchain and the blockchain doesn't go away and there's a decentralized uh, ledger and, and I understand all that, but I don't know if some guy who's super smart or some guy who's got one of these D wave computers can't just focus all their computing power on it and crack a code. And, you know, I wouldn't know. How would I know? I'm just some dummy that doesn't understand the, the, the science behind it. So I'm at a disadvantage and that's it. Whereas with cash, I, I've got it in my hands, but I also know that they can print as much as they want digitally. And so we've been in a crypto world for a long, long time, credit cards, PayPal, you know, the central banks create this currency. It's just typed into a computer and then emailed to the bank and the bank has it in their account. So that's a form Ser- of serial numbers on the we, bills themselves. You right, know? right. Yeah. Right. So, so we've, we, you know, I'm open to, I'm open to an alternative to the fiat currency central banking system that we currently live under. Cause I'm positive that that's garbage. I think with crypto, you know, it's just it's just going to depend on on which which one you're talking about. Some of them are better than others. Some of them are, you know, some of them are are like utility to- tokens. You know, that for yeah. for for certain things that you know, if you're on, um, like I had Jeremy Kaufman from from Library on, and they pay you an LBC. You know, you yeah. you get these these tokens, and so they have value. But it, you know, is it a is it getting you outside of the banking system? No, not really. It's just paying you in a in a unique way. So. I think it's interesting, and we're at you know we're at such an early stage here, uh, and I've had the luxury of of learning a lot from the guys that Jeff knows or that that work with him about all this crypto. So I just sit and listen. I just listen to them talk yeah. about it because they know more. Do you think crypto is the way of the future, and that we will no longer have uh, paper Absolutely. money anymore? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think paper money. I mean, I I, I hope not, not because I think there's something great about having anonymity with your with your money. And in yes, and like I said, there's some privacy coins that 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 solve that problem. But there's something about having it tangibly in your hands that people like gold and silver. I mean, let's not forget about those. Those are I've got, you know, I've got uh, a, a a lot of love for silver. Uh, you know, I think it's I think it's great. It's obviously being manipulated and undervalued, but. I think that we, you know, anything that gets us out of the central banking paradigm is is a good thing. Gold does that, silver does that, cryptocurrency yeah. does that as well. So I'm I'm interested in those. But but within that, you you know, you obviously have to be careful because it's not like it's not like you're gonna beat the banking system and then the banking system's just gonna go home and forget about it. Like they're gonna come after you. They're gonna try to manipulate this. They're gonna use the government to demonize this. We already see it with like Bitcoin uses so much energy. Get the fuck out of here with that. That's such a dumb argument. Um video games it's, use it's, 18 yeah, million times more energy than Bitcoin. So it's like stop it. Um, yeah. but you can see it. You can see them doing it. You can see yeah. that they're like, we gotta do oh, oh the 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 pipeline uh uh, hackers that that use the ransomware. What did they ask for? They asked for Bitcoin. What a surprise, right? Demonize crypto. 
It's, yeah, it's not like we've been sending it's, it's suitcases a, full of cash to yeah. places for 50 years. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like cash is no better, but, but, but you can see the agenda. So they're starting to panic. The, the powers that be are starting to freak out about this a little bit. I, they're going, what do we do? Personally, I'm going to say on just like, this is how I truly intuitively feel about crypto. And like, I, I, I think that it, it has and always has been a part of the new world order, the plan that's going to be set into place because this is why. Um, it's been around, Bitcoin itself has been around for a while, right? Like me and my friends used to live out on an island in the middle of the ocean and we could only get uh, certain <clears throat> drugs off of Silk Road. And so you had to use Bitcoin, right? And so that was sketchy enough on its own. And the fact that Silk Road has got shut down many, many times means that Bitcoin's been known about through the government's awareness for a long time. And so I think they knew that change is very important. And if they had already an agenda at play to shift the way that everything's going and turning anything and everything absolutely digital, and if it's digital, it means can be 100% controlled. So I think... That it has been set up and they're allowing it to happen right now in the chaotic world that is because everything is chaotic. This crypto is chaotic, right? Crypto being the death, crypt, the death of money to create the new system, the destruction of the system that is the destruction of the American fucking empire, right? Right. That because and so like it's like we're allowed like we can get fucking chunk of change right now getting into crypto because i it is absolutely the future but i think yeah they're what they're going to do is they're going to allow it to kind of run like really big and rampant for the next couple of years and then it's going to be mainlined and streamlined to just a few but and then 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 the cash is gone because it's it's cash will be gone it's been inflated and then and i say in a couple of years it's absolutely going to be gone but the fact to think that it's ever been fucking free i just as the conspiracy dude that i am i'm like nah it's always been a part of the fucking plan always that's the way i look at it it, the the digital the digital control part you know having everything be digitized uh, will always freak me out a little bit you know it it, it, just it will because it you just you know you're just sort of well what happens if it goes away then how do i get it back you know so um (laughs) there that that has to that has to freak people out for for sure but you've got a a generation of younger people that are very comfortable in the digital world and they're not as freaked out by it so it's definitely going that way and i'm not i'm not trying to be like oh i'm anti um evolution of of things actually i think that you know if you if if it's done right you you could have it could be it could be amazing but but yeah, I listen. I'm always going to be suspicious. There's always going to be part of me suspicious that 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 there's that this is a gigantic setup or that it was allowed to happen or something like that. You know. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so fucked. So I listened to your uh, podcast episode with James Corbett. Oh yeah, and uh, oh, I heard you guys so touch beautiful. on a little bit of feudalism versus security state. Yeah. And so my question is is what do you what would you rather live in? Would you rather live in a feudalist society or a security state society? Boy. <laughs> that, what sort of venereal disease do I want? Let me see. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like th- this this 
you know, they want to turn it, they want to take us down to like the Kings and the serfs where we're all, you know, de- dependent on the, on the, the few for, you know, they're, they're, they're the ones in charge. And that's just such a disgusting, it's such a disgusting concept. It's, it's happened obviously. And for, you know, over, over history, we, we read about that in our, in our history books, but you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think we would live under it. I mean, I always kind of joke with my friends from the UK. I'm like, you guys have a queen. How stupid, you know, like, (laughs) I can't believe you guys have a queen. That's so like 500 years ago. And, uh, but like (laughs) they want that. I mean, the, the, there are certain people that would love to go back to that, but now, but instead what we have is this, this weird, like surveillance state, which is creepy and dystopian and scary and all those things. Like, I, I don't want, um, you know, I don't want that either. So that's, that's no good. Um, I would just, you know, I am of the, the, the opinion that the government should just leave, you know, do as little as possible. I mean, I'd actually prefer that there, there wasn't a government at all, but, but if there is one bare minimum, and, you know, cause it, and, and it made, yeah. it made me think about like with the COVID situation, it's like the government's so concerned about your safety. They want you to get this vaccine so badly. You know, you just have to do it. And mm-hmm. it's like, wait, is this the same government that constantly is finding ways to fuck us over, to take all of our money in taxes, to poison our food, to, to give us the worst education system, to send us off an indiscriminate war? This, this government now all of a sudden cares about us and wants us to get this magical vaccine. Like, forgive me for being a bit skeptical and not, entirely <laughs> sure of their of their motives you know what i mean so so it, it's i i am in a, a so we i i don't trust i don't trust the governments i don't trust th- these narratives that they're they're spinning i i wish they would leave us alone i wish they would not do things my point of this was was that I want the government to do as little as possible. My health is none of their responsibility. It's not their business. Absolutely it's not their responsibility. Not. Yeah. If I drop dead from this, that's on me. I don't blame the government. I mean, although it's probably a bioweapon, but I mean, <laughs> in theory, if it is just a virus going around, I wouldn't blame the government for it. I don't expect them to make everything safe for me. Um, I don't, but I also don't want them telling me, oh, well, you've got to go get this mandatory shot. Yeah. No. No, I don't. No, I, no, I won't. You know, the the switch, the switch from, um, like you said earlier in the, in the beginning of our convo, that um, so this is natural evolution of the fear tactic that's been going on. The beginning when nine eleven happened, the fear was right. physical terrorist, right? And as everything right. shifts to a digital, therefore invisible. Uh, a way of being and how everything will be controlled will, will be real fucking cheap where there's nothing even physically there to be scared of, but we're, we're fucking just controlled to do it. So right. invisible money, but the invisible terrorist is the new terrorist as we're not fucking scared of Muslims anymore because we found out that shit's bullshit. And so mm. I guess the point I was getting at is what the fuck was the point I was getting? I have zero idea. We got a new invisible uh, enemy. Yeah, we got a new, yeah, we got a new, <laughs> a new boogeyman. Well, and, aliens, and it, right? That's crazy. Isn't it convenient that yes. you, 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 it's, it's, it's invisible, but it's going to get you. It's going to go in your eye. It's going to go up your butthole, you know, if you don't, <laughs> if, you, if you're not careful. And, and, and it, and it, and you, you have to get tested just to know if you even have this deadly virus, right? Because it's so secret. And then, but you could have it. 
and not have any symptoms and be giving it to I mean so everybody's a terrorist at that point really? because it's the anybody, most convenient bullshit story ever. Yeah, anybody could be a terrorist because they might carry COVID and if they give it to you, they're the reason that you die. So you have to be scared of absolutely everybody around you because everybody's now a fucking terrorist because if you're not wearing a mask because you don't want to wear a mask because you live in California where it's 100 fucking degrees all day every day <laughs> and then you're a terrorist. So it's like yeah. terrorists aren't even – it's like absolutely everybody now. And so the fear algorithm has fucking sown its roots into all of us and inoculated us all with this new way of invisible – Jesus, they are so good at manipulation. It is absolutely crazy, yeah. bro. They, you the have fuck? to give them credit for, 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 for the level of manipulate. Like they, they are they – are, it, it, is, it is impressive. <laughs> but but um, because you know we've got people – Wearing masks while they're driving around in their car, while wearing rubber gloves and shit like that. Fear will make people do crazy things, and and it, first thing it'll do is make them turn off their logic and reasoning. Yes, because yes. when you are in a fearful vibrational state, you're like fight or flight. Like I need to survive. I'll worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, I have to prioritize right now. I have to stay alive. So if it says you know if they say wear a mask, I'll wear two. If they say you know wear, you know hey. you know whatever. So people are making decisions from a really weird place, you know, an emotional place where, where logic is unnecessary. Then you throw in the fear that coming at them from the media 24 seven and the government, it just broke everybody's brain, you know? And then the worst part is that now we, we've all, we've been seeing this for a while. And now, like you said, we're not wearing the mask. We're the enemy. We're the enemy. And so now just they like want that. now they sick the, like the general public on us. Overnight, overnight almost. Like just with the click of the yeah. button on that March 5th or whatever that fucking day was, it became just like that. Like it was like the predictive programming and everything that led up to that egg cracking on the hot sizzling griddle to fucking, that is the fuckery to be was exactly that. God damn it, man. Hey, real quick. Uh, or not real quick. I have, I don't know, but, um, I had a little note here to ask you, sir. Um, the tale of two Bidens, president green screen, the story of the ultimate occultic sacrifice. What the fuck is going on with the Biden? Is he, <laughs> do you believe that he's actually real or was he killed and replaced or what the shit is going on with that? Dude, your guess is as good as mine on that one. I mean, I, I, <laughs> if, I hope they kept the receipt for this Biden that they've got. <laughs> he sent the receipt. Oh, goodness. Dude, he's dude. terrible. Absolutely. He's Absolutely. like, he's, he's, I, I don't, I don't know if it's the same person. You know what I mean? I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but I'm not, I'm, I'm being serious. I'm not sure. The, the, he, this guy is, there's something wrong with him. And I was yeah. no Trump fan either. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I have to sort of clarify that, but it, it, there's something so phony about every aspect of it from the election to Kamala yeah. to Biden to his green screen stuff that, you know, in front with the, with the microphone and, and, the, and, uh, yeah, he, yeah, his hand, yeah, exactly. His hand like went in front of the microphone. It was, it was, the, it was green screened. And, the and car so, dealerships that he was doing his rallies in with like nobody, but nobody, just Ridiculous. cars with lights on. <laughs> there, 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 was, there was a he did a he did a a, a, a Gee, the lights are on, but nobody's home. He did a presentation <laughs> in Phoenix, and I saw this nice. the, from the reporter, and the reporter was like, 
I don't know where everybody is. I feel like maybe I'm at the wrong place because <laughs> there's nobody here. And and so like, you want me to believe that this guy got 80 million votes? Get yeah. the fuck out of here. That's, yeah, see, I, I, what, do you, what, what do you think about that? Do, because Arizona <laughs> is doing a recount right now. And I just saw another state is going to do a recount. Do, do you Part think the they're going to find I know, but what is that part of the show? What is it going to reveal or not reveal that's going to put us, what direction is that taking us in? I mean, could you imagine if it revealed that they cheated and it was like discovered and it, and it came out and it was undeniable and, and, and we, and we went. Oh, I guess Trump's back. You know I mean? It would be, it would just be be like you motherfucker. I mean, it would just be. It would be who do you prioritize your anger towards? You know, the right would be pissed at the left. They, they wouldn't the let left it happen, would be though. like, uh, we thought our guy won, and then we'd all be looking at the government going, You bastards. But yes, but I don't I don't you're right. I don't I don't know that that will happen though. That it really? they what, could never let that happen. They could never what let you, that happen. I mean oh, so they, what's it the, could uh, be fucking perfect. It could be perfect timing though. That um, that sounds beautiful, but I please I tell go, you what, please go. the guy that discovers it. The guy that's like, I've got the thumb drive with all the evidence. He'll die two days you later. You don't want to be sitting on an airplane <laughs> next to that guy. I'll tell you that right now. Because yeah. that guy's going to go boom pretty soon. Because the, they will never let that evidence come out. Oh if, if, if in fact that that is what happened. I Look, I, I, I it never passed the eyeball test for me. You know, like, and I know that that's not scientific. And I know that doesn't prove anything. Um, but like... I saw thousands and thousands and thousands of people at Trump rallies and, and Joe Biden couldn't get 12 people to show up. And, and you Absolutely. want me to believe that this guy got 80 million. I understand there's a certain percentage that we're just going to vote for him who just because he wasn't Trump, you know, but 80 million. Sorry. Obama only got 70. He was, and he was like a fucking rock star when he was packing, like selling out stadiums. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and, and Joe Biden couldn't get, couldn't get, couldn't get a, a, a you know, a, a starting lineup of a football team, you know, worth of people to show up at his events. And, and when they were there, they were sitting in little circles, right? I mean, it just looks so dystopian and weird. And then, and Kamala Harris is the vice president, even though literally nobody liked her. And so it all feels fake. And then there's pictures of like in the white house and the oval office. And it, it looks like it's a set, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on, man. I mean, for all I know, they are filming this entire presidency in some fucking yes. bunker somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you know. Maybe I mean, not. Them- I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if that was if if there was at least a component of this that's trying to make it look like he's really there and really in charge, but he's he's not. And that's some. That's that would AI. be even more dangerous because who is in charge? AI. Maybe. <laughs> well, deep fake. Maybe. <laughs> The, the way you got that forty it, the, years of him talking on on video to pull oh, from, shit. Yeah. yeah, you could you could do some things with it. You know, I, I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's he he gets his son's <laughs> laptop gets found a month before the election with all this cr- criminal shit on it. No, and it's he wins ridiculous. still. Ridiculous. Stop. Smoking crack, meth, whatever types of drugs, and still has you know. Okay, so the timing of it, though, you guys, ha- you have to admit, right? Like every election has been kind of, you know, stage played ever since ever. I mean, when they stopped. Okay, now 
Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna halt. I'm gonna go right here. <laughs> the timing of the the four years of Trump to get us ready, the the stoop, the the just crazy madness that everybody was going through psychologically as Trump was president to create the divide to to come into the perfect pinnacle turning point of <clears throat> setting us up for the COVID and the fake new presidency the the shift of like we were talking about earlier the invisible enemy the invisible terrorist so now even the presidency and all of that is fucking invisible or fake it's so blatantly clear because it was it was joke they're they literally they they're just they're really separating the sheep from the sow right now and like it's so crazy to see people that are even clinging on to this at all i I can't respect people anymore, man. It's getting really hard, but I love humans and I love love. It's tough to have, it's tough tough to talk to a lot of people, you know, because it's (laughs) like, you know, you feel like, like you're working off of, you're, you're, you feel like there, there's two versions of reality going. Maybe, maybe 2012, man. Maybe we broke off into like a parallel civilization or something. Shit. I don't even I, I, Mandela effect CERN. <laughs> I shouldn't have brought that up. Um, <laughs> but like, everything's so weird oh. and so fake and so lame and so so you know everybody's fighting online. Or, you know, it could very well be the chaos portion of the program that comes in and just starts to you know take social media and turns everybody against each other. And like you said, we wind up with a fake virus um, that's, you know, you've got the media manipulating that and you've got empty hospitals and nurses making TikTok videos and shit like that. And all this stuff is like, it's like you, you want to just go like, are they fucking with us? You know, like, like, are they trying to break our brains? Because they're, they're doing the sorts of things that would make you, you know, it, it, it's like designed to make you insane. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think that that is accidental. I think that these guys are running some sort of, some sort of operation on us. And maybe that is, you know, maybe the plan is to just thin us out, th- thin out the herd, get everybody vaccinated. And then, uh, we'll be much easier to, uh, to control going forward. I mean, I, it's, I'm sure everybody that has lived in in a previous you know time before has said this is the most interesting time to be alive. But shit, it's got this has got to be one of the most interesting times to be alive with the stuff that we are seeing and 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 how everything in front of us is so <laughs> absolutely wild and wide open and crazy. Man, where where we go a year from now, who knows? It's but but I but I got I got a feeling that the three of us will have this conversation again in the future and we will uh we will try to uh we'll try to figure it all out and, and possibly fail miserably yes, in the process but it's fun to think <laughs> about it and it's it's important for us to have the conversations and and get us yeah. thinking about uh we'd, you know where we go from here we'd love to have you back charlie i'll uh, come back for of sure of course uh, oh my I, I wanted to tell the people that uh, to go check out your pa- podcast, Macroaggressions. Please. And we, we didn't get that much into the COVID shit today because uh, I'm tired of hearing about COVID yeah. shit. But COVID, episode dude. 117, <laughs> episode 117, the Sparse Playbook uh, with Michael uh, Halpern. And episode 124, Sparse 2, Electric Boogaloo. If you don't think COVID is bullshit and a setup, 
I suggest you go listen to those two podcasts. Yeah. Uh, it'll blow your fucking mind. Absolutely, yeah. my right friends. Before, right before we started recording this, I got an I got an email from Mike Halpern. He's over at Infowars, telling sending me uh, new documents and stuff. So no shit. <laughs> I, dude. I have the feeling I, 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 I uh, might have, I'm gonna have to read through them. I'm like every time I get stuff from him, it's good stuff, man. So <laughs> there may be another shit. episode in, in the uh, in the future that has uh, that has stuff related to that. But yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you talking about the about macroaggressions. It's available on I in video format on Iconic and Rockfin and YouTube and Odyssey and also an audio format wherever wherever podcasts are, you can you can find it there. I do two episodes a week. One's an interview and one is a monologue. So if people are interested in adding another podcast to their rotation, I would certainly hope that they would at least give it a listen, maybe once or twice and see what they think. Yeah. Awesome. And also uh by Charlie's book, The Octopus of Global Control. Sure. And yeah, uh, at the website, theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. You can find it there or you can find it on Amazon. And Controlled Excellent. Demolition of the American Empire is also on Audible. Un- uh, unfortunately, yeah. Octopus isn't, but the Audible version is there. And that shit is just mind bending beautiful beautifully written book and i've got well thank you i I really appreciate that i've got patrick smith the the voice of the audiobook already recorded for a a macroaggressions episode so that'll be coming out too he's a hardcore anarchist uh, guy that that jeff berwick knows really well and he has done he did larkin rose's book he did the audiobook for larkin rose a couple of his so he he's done um so when it came time to do it we're like, let's have Patrick do it. And he's like six, eight, you know, he's like this nice. big guy. So he's got this important <laughs> voice, you know, that sounds like really powerful. So, uh, so yeah, the audio book is, is, is available on audi- audible. And I think it's like, um, it's like 18 hours. <laughs> it's a long, it's a lot of, a lot of talking. He was exhausted after he, it took him like five months, I think, to do the book. Damn. The audio, but Dang, yeah, so. yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, also, I want to tell people to check us out on Instagram at rising under slash FT under slash ashes under slash pod at us, follow us on Instagram and also send us some emails at rising FT ashes at yahoo.com. Tell us if you like it, if you don't like it, what, 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 the, uh, you know, the job that we're doing here or, uh, <laughs> guests that you want to see. Or other threads that you know about that you want us to know about, let us know. Delicious recipes. And we will have Charlie Robinson back again. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Peace, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Have a a sweet Rocky Mountain night, my man. Peace. Right on. Take care, guys. All right. Bye. 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 Just looking for the answers Just